Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. As Brian said, I'm going to continue uh, the series uh, entitled Parables, and uh, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus shared in the book of Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to start at verse 21. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture, 21 through 35, and uh, we're going to read quite a bit of scripture, but I know here at Queen City Church, you guys love the word, and so you're not going to have a problem with that, right? We're not going to apologize for a lot of words. So just to give you a little context as you make your way there... This passage that we're going to read where Jesus introduces this parable happens just on the heels of a discourse that Jesus brings about reconciliation. And it seems as if as Jesus talks about reconciliation, uh, there seems to be this moment where where Peter is incited with a question. He's like, I need to hear more about this. And so here's where we pick up this story. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. This is this is Peter's question. It says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, Jesus replied, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, some of your versions may say 77 times. It says here, 70 times seven. In my mind, I think Peter, uh, went, he looked at Matthew, who is uh, the um, tax collector, who's probably good with numbers, and he was like, hey, hey, what's 70 times seven? And, and I, think, I think Matthew went 490. He went, oh, okay, what? 490. And then Jesus says, I'm going to elaborate here. And here's where the parable comes in. It says, therefore, in verse 23, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Some versions say 10,000 talents. The idea is it's more money than he could ever pay back. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged, please be patient with me, I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But... When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. So notice the contrast there. He grabbed him by the throat, mafia style, okay? Grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, saying the same thing that he just said. And I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. And then listen to this in verse 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. And then Peter went, my bad. I should not have asked that question. 
Today, we're going to talk about a heavy subject, but I believe that God's heart is that it will be healing for you today. We're going to talk about forgiveness. And the title of the message is, is from a movie that came out years ago. I'm not telling you to go see the movie, uh, but it's from a movie called Jerry Maguire. And the title of this message is Show Me the Money. Show me the money. In fact, just for kicks, would you just yell that out? We just say, show me the money. Let me hear you. Show me the money. Now, if you're new to Queen City Church, they start off every sermon like that. I just want you to know, like, that's how they do things here. Show me the money. It is actually synonymous in the movie with pay me. Pay me. And so this will make a lot of sense as we begin to unpack forgiveness. Let's pray really quickly. Father, I pray in these next few moments that you would heal hurts, that you would bring freedom, and that you would open eyes to see wonderful things in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it was about 14 years ago, I jumped in the car with uh, a gentleman who I have known since I was 13 years old. Uh, he, at the time, was my boss's boss, but he, for me, was more like um, a big brother and a mentor, and we spent a lot of time together. And so when I jumped in the car uh, this time with him, we were about to take a ride, and I'll never forget how he started the conversation. We're riding together, and he says, Jelani, you know we've been through a lot together. And I, I don't know about you, but if somebody starts a conversation with me like that, it doesn't feel good. Like, I was like, uh, uh, excuse me? I mean, it feels like the time when I was, uh, I think, a freshman in high school and my girlfriend broke up with me on a tape recorder. Uh, that's, that's how old I am, by the way. And so, and so but th- here's, how, here's how it happened. Her cousin brought me the tape recorder. And when he handed me the tape recorder, the look on his face, he said, hey, this is from, from my cousin to you. And the look on his face just wasn't right. It was like something's not right here. And, and, and so he just he handed me the tape recorder. And when I took the tape recorder and, and I played the tape recorder, I noticed that, that she was singing a song called, uh, I think it goes, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday. And she was singing the boys to men version. And I thought, this isn't good. This, this can't be good. That, that's how I felt in the car. He said, Jelani, you know, we've been through a lot together. And I said, yeah, we have. And then he began to unpack some events that had recently transpired. He began to tell me about another gentleman who was like a father figure to me. And this this gentleman uh, thought that I had said some negative things about him to some other people. And in response to that, he decided to take some very personal private and confidential things that I had shared with him, he decided to share those with other people. In that moment, I felt like there was a dagger placed in my back. I I felt absolutely betrayed. I was devastated. I I was devastated. And and I did what, what any grown man would do at that time. I called my mama. And I remember getting on the phone with her and I'm in tears. I'm like, mom, I want to come home. I want to come home. I was just so hurt. I remember later on that day, I'm talking with my bosses who who are pastors and they knew what was going on in the situation. And I am sitting down at the desk, bewildered, angry, 
and brokenhearted and in tears as I am weeping, I say these eight words. I know I need to forgive him though. Now, I understand that we're in church right now, and uh, we've got our hair did and our nails did, and we look all good, and we came in like everything was cool. But let me just ask you a question. Have you ever been hurt before? Have you ever been wronged? So some of you in this room, you know what it's like to feel the sting of betrayal in a relationship. Some of you in this room, you know what it's like to feel abandoned or abused. Some of you, you know in this room what it's like to be lied to or to be lied on, to be left out or to be overlooked. You you know what it's like to hurt. Uh, The reality is, is all of us in this room at some point or another, we have been hurt in a relationship. And here's the question. What do you do when you're hurt? What do you do when someone wrongs you? What do you do when someone sins against you? I I think that is what Peter was grappling with in that moment. I I think Peter, as he's listening to Jesus talk about reconciliation, he starts thinking about someone. Now, now, we don't know who that was. The Bible doesn't say that explicitly. But I think that that Peter was thinking about someone. Let's just give him the name Jermaine, okay? Peter's thinking about Jermaine. Is is there anybody named Jermaine here, by the way? I just don't want to put you on front street if you, okay. So, so I think Peter's thinking, as Jesus is talking about reconciliation, he starts thinking, man, you know what? Jermaine hurt me. And Jermaine hurts me over and over again. And I just, I just need to ask you some questions here, Jesus. And it brings Peter to this place where he says, okay, Jesus, I've got a question. And here's my question. How many times should I forgive someone who's hurt me or who's sinned against me? Now, notice Jesus's response. Jesus does not correct his question except for the number. He doesn't say when Peter says, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? He doesn't say, well, Peter, um, first of all, people aren't going to sin against you. No, no, I understand that, Peter. You you, you will be. People will hurt you. He, He doesn't say, that there's an alternative solution for forgiveness. Like, like I know, Peter, you said, hey, when they hurt you, you forgive them, but let me give you a, another alternative here. He, he doesn't say that. He, it's like he says, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you know, you're right. You, you need to forgive. No, what he corrects is the number. Peter, you said seven, which is like this cool biblical number. I'm going to give you seven times 70, 490. As if to really say, Peter, if you're counting, you've missed the point. You, Peter, think forgiveness is about the other person. And really, forgiveness is about you. Then Jesus moves into this parable where he begins to help us understand what forgiveness is, why forgiveness matters, and how we forgive. And so I want to unpack that for you this morning. I want to first talk about what forgiveness is. 
And let me begin, though, by first telling you what forgiveness is not. I, I think about this uh, in reference to my son. I've got a son named Jaden who is five years old, and he's, he's awesome. Um, but he's kind of like, when he turned five, he became like aware of his image. I'm like, how, where does this, and here's what I mean by that. So, so all of a sudden, I noticed this five-year-old, um, I, I've seen him sometimes where he's walking, and all of a sudden, he like trips, you know what I'm saying? He's like, ba-boom, and he does this thing where he trips, and then he spins like this, and he hops up, and he's like, I meant to do that. And I'm like, bro, no, you didn't. He's like, no, I meant to do that, daddy. It was on purpose. No, it wasn't, Jay. No, no, it was, no that's, that's not true. I feel that same kind of passion about some things in regards to forgiveness. That there are some things that maybe we've been taught or thought that just aren't true. Let me tell you what forgiveness is, is not. Forgiveness is not approval. It is not you or I saying what was done is okay. It is not us condoning that or saying they were right. It's not approval. Forgiveness is also not the abolishment of consequences. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. If you decide to rob a bank after church today, we can forgive you all we want, but you're going to jail. Okay, there's still consequences. So it's not the abolishment of consequences. Forgiveness is not amnesia. You may have heard in church before, forgive and what? Forget. Forgive and forget. And I understand where we get that from. We talk about that because God uh, remembers our sins no more. But, but the reality is, is that God is actually omniscient, which means he knows everything. When it says he remembers our sins no more, in essence, what he's saying is that he's chosen not to hold our sins against us. Think about it like this. Jesus died on the cross. The Bible tells us that after he died, he actually showed the disciples the scars in his hands. Okay. Now, if Jesus had amnesia, here's how this story would go. Jesus, somebody comes up to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, man, where'd you get the scars? I don't know. I got scars. Whoa. I don't know. If Jesus had amnesia and then somebody said, hey, did it hurt? I don't know. I don't know. No, we would say that's ridiculous. And yet Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus didn't forget he was on the cross. Listen, forgiveness does not mean that you have amnesia. It doesn't mean that what happened to you didn't happen or didn't hurt. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not automatic reconciliation. It's not automatic reconciliation. See, reconciliation means to restore to a previous state. It's a reconnection. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the relationship is automatically reconnected. Because one of the things you have to understand, Dr. Tony Evans talks about how there are two types of forgiveness. The first type is unilateral forgiveness. And the second type is transactional forgiveness. Unilateral forgiveness means one. It has to do with one person. This is what Jesus experienced on the cross. I believe it's in Luke chapter 24. Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The people didn't come and ask Jesus. There wasn't a conversation about it. Jesus decided to forgive them on his own. That is called unilateral forgiveness. There, there are some times in our lives where it really is unilateral forgiveness, either A, because the people don't know how badly they hurt you, B, we don't even know where those people are, or C, they're dead. So there's no way that they can, they can apologize to you. And so that's called unilateral forgiveness, which, by the way, let me just tell you this. Waiting to forgive someone 
until they ask is to surrender your future to the person who wronged you. It's to give them control of your future. Waiting to forgive someone until they ask is to surrender your future to them. It's giving them control. Unilateral forgiveness is important because it's us making the decision to forgive. But then there's transactional forgiveness, and that actually takes two parties. Now, that is when the person comes to you and says, listen, uh, I, I'm sorry, I acknowledge what I've done was wrong, I repent for that, and I ask for your forgiveness. It's a transaction because it takes two people. And when you have transactional forgiveness, that becomes the basis for reconciliation. But just because you forgive, it doesn't mean it's automatic reconciliation because here's the reality. There are some people that hurt us so deeply, either it's going to take some time or we honestly, it wouldn't be safe for us to go back into that same kind of relationship. It's transactional. So it's not approval. It's not amnesia. It's not the abolishment of consequences and it's not automatic reconciliation. What is forgiveness? When we enter into this story in the parable, we, we see this king who decides to settle his accounts. And they bring in this servant who owes him millions of dollars. And this servant can't pay back and, and, and cries out essentially uh, for mercy. And, and here's what the king does. And this becomes really a foundation for what forgiveness is. In verse 27, it says, Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. He released him and forgave his debt. Here, here's what forgiveness is. The Greek word for forgive means to let go. Means, means to let go. Forgiveness means to release a person from a wrong committed against you. It is relinquishing the right to punish or cancellation of a debt or obligation incurred. Let me say that again. It means to let go, to release a person from a wrong committed against you, relinquishing the right to punish or the cancellation of a debt or obligation incurred. Let me unpack this for a moment. Forgiveness really kind of carries with it this idea of, of an accounting term, okay? And, and we know that even when you look at scripture, when, when Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter six and he teaches uh, the Lord's prayer, do you remember what he says? He says, forgive us our what? Debts as we forgive our debtors. Like, like there's, there's, there's a debt here. Uh, in Genesis chapter 50, when uh, Joseph's brothers, after Jacob dies, his brothers think, oh, oh man, he's going to get us back. And they actually say he's going to pay us back. So there's this sense that when someone wrongs you or I, that, that they have either withheld something from us or taken something from us. There is a deficit now in the relationship. This is why we say things like this intuitively. We say, um, you owe me an apology. Now, I'm pointing at you, but I don't know you, so I'm not trying to put you out there like that. I'm just saying, but you're tracking, okay. You owe me an apology. Or, or when we go and apologize to someone, we say, I owe you an apology. Or if we're vengeful, we'll say, I'm going to get even. Why? Because there's an imbalance here, an inequity here. And so it has to do with someone taking something 
out of our account. So when we choose to forgive, what we're saying is we're going to cancel that debt. We're going to relinquish our right to punish. We're going to let it go. When I think about letting go, I think about my son again. And uh, uh, he has an older sister named Judah. So she's actually here in, uh, in children's ministry. But uh, she's seven years old and she's super athletic. Okay, she, she is like, I mean, she, she's just incredible. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure that came from my side of the family. At least that's what I tell my wife. Um, so anyway, uh, so we're out at the park the other day. And, and my daughter says, okay, I'm going to go on the monkey bars. She gets on the monkey bars. And literally, I mean, she just starts swinging through. Whoop, pow, whoop, and, and I mean, she's like Tarzan. It's unbelievable. I'm like, you, you are a star. You're going to get a scholarship. I'm so proud of you. And then, and then there's my son, okay? Son's not quite there yet. He's just, he's just not quite there yet. And so uh, he's like, dad, dad, will you help me on the monkey bars? I'm like, sure, son. So I pick him up, put him on the monkey bars, and he's just hanging there. And his feet moving, you know. Dad, can you help me? I'm like, sure, son. But, but here's the deal. Jaden, I, I know you, you want to go forward, but here's how you go forward. You have to let go of the bar that you're on. And if you let go with this arm, you can swing and you can grab the other bar, then you let go here and you swing. And he said, but dad, help me. I'm like, Jaden, you have to let go. The only way you can get forward is if you're willing to let go of the bar behind you. Some of us are in this room today and we want to move forward. We have such a desire. We can see it at the end. We, we want to go there, but because... We can't let go of the pain in our past. We're paralyzed in the future. Forgiveness is a cancellation of the debt. It's relinquishing our right to punish. It's letting go. So why do we forgive? Why do we forgive? Well, when we look back at this story in Matthew chapter 18, when we look at verse 32 and verse 33, now uh, the story is continued. So this servant who was forgiven now sees someone who owes him money. And, and of course, he roughs him up and wants to punish him. And when the king finds out about it, here's what he says in verse 32. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In other words, the king's rationale as to why this servant needed to forgive was because he was a recipient of forgiveness. You know why God calls us to forgive? It's because we have received forgiveness. We're, we're recipients of forgiveness. Paul echoes this in the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. Paul doesn't say forgive them because they were right. He says forgive them because you've been forgiven. I heard a pastor say one time, forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people Forgive people. I do want to take a moment and just remind you that your relationship with God came through forgiveness. Here's, here's how Paul says it in just the chapter before in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. This won't be on the screens, but here's what it says. It says, you were dead 
because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to a cross. Nailing it to a cross. In other words, through Jesus Christ's death, you and I get to experience forgiveness. And because we experience forgiveness, we're supposed to extend forgiveness. When I, when I think about forgiveness and, and receiving it and giving it, I can't help but think about uh, my wife. Her name is Erin. And uh, my wife uh, was like Mother Teresa, okay? Like, growing up, she just, she just never really did anything wrong. And, and she really um, walked a life of purity. I mean, she really did it. It's just amazing. And, and so I tell people, I'm like, I married Mother Teresa. Uh, however, that's not my story, okay? I, I was on the whole other side of the spectrum. Like, uh, the Lord had to really do some things in my life. And I made some, some very, very poor choices when it came to purity and immorality. And even after I got saved, I was saved, but I wasn't free. And so the Lord needed to do a real work in my life. And, and I remember the day we started dating, and I knew that we were headed the direction for marriage, and I felt like I just needed to tell her everything. Like, she, she needs to know the bondage I was in. She needs to know about some of the choices that I made. I need to tell her. And I knew it was going to be a hard conversation because uh, I just knew her background. And, and, uh, and so we're sitting in the car one day, and I'm sitting here. She's sitting uh, next to me, and there's the console in between us. And I start to tell her uh, about my past. And as I begin to tell her, uh, I'll never forget she burst into tears. She, she just starts weeping. And, and then she says, why? Why? And of course, I feel very encouraged at this point uh, in, in the conversation. In fact, no, I, like, I wanted to get out the car and let another car hit me. You know, I was just like, man. Um, and so she's like, why? And so we start talking about it a little bit more, and I'll never forget what happened. So I, I'm sitting here in the car. My wife is right here. The console is between us. I'll never forget at the end of the conversation, she takes her hand, and she reaches over the console. And she grabs my hand and she says, Jelani, I forgive you and I'm not going anywhere. I want to remind you today that God in his goodness looked at you and he looked at me and he said, I love you. And he sent his son, Jesus, to die. And through Jesus Christ, he reached his hand across the chasm of sin and he grabbed your hand and he said, I'm not going anywhere. I forgive you. You in this room are forgiven. And forgiven people forgive people. In fact, I I saw this quote I want to share In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. We we forgive because we've been forgiven. Scripture, though, also reveals to us a second reason why we forgive. 
As we continue the story in, in Matthew 18, verse 34 and 35, we start to hear about some of the consequences because he says, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, wait, wait, wait a minute, Jesus. It sounds like you're punishing the victim here. Like, why would you say that if this person's going to be to be tortured. Here's something that I think we have to understand. How many of you are parents here? You, you are parents. You have kids here, okay? Uh, how many of you have parents? Like there's somebody that birthed you. You got okay. Uh, uh, how many of you like know some kids? You, you know kids. Uh, how many of you like kids? Let me see your hands. Uh, how many of you don't like kids? Raise your hands so we can judge you. We want to judge you in this place. Okay, so, so here's, here's what we know, though, and this is what we know, especially you parents. So I, I've got several kids, and, and what happens in the family is that certain decisions carry certain consequences. And, and depending on the decision, I may raise the level of consequence. In other words, if my two children, my five-year-old and my seven-year-old, they get into arguments all the time, there are consequences for the arguments, and we process through that and work through that. But there are different consequences if my seven-year-old decides she's going to take the car keys, get in the car, and drive down the street. Okay? There's a whole nother level of severity for that. And here's why. Because if she gets behind the wheel of a car, she is going to destroy her life and someone else's life. And so because of that, I raise the level of consequences because I love her so much, I do not want her to experience that. Can I tell you why this may sound a bit threatening? It's because God loves you so much that he knows that if you harbor unforgiveness, you are essentially getting behind a car to destroy your life and the lives of others. So he says, I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to go there. He specifies here, you're going to be tortured. Now, this is just, it's, it's mind-boggling to me because that word torture in the Greek, that's the only place I can find it in the New Testament is right in that passage. And it, it really describes a prison guard that tortures you. So, so there's a sense that you go to prison, which means you can't go where you want to go. And while you're in prison, you're, you're tortured. Now, what, what does that mean? What does that really mean? Here's the way I, I look at this. I, I think about unforgiveness like my little piggy bank right here. Uh, this, this piggy bank, let's just call him Wilbur, okay? I don't know if you guys ever read Charlotte's Web, but uh, it was Wilbur there. So this is, this is Wilbur, all right? So, so Wilbur's my piggy bank. And remember, if we talk about unforgiveness as, as uh, letting something go, re relinquishing our right to punish or canceling a debt, when we choose not to forgive someone, we're carrying unforgiveness. We're carrying Wilbur around. Now, here, here's the reality. Wilbur is here with us. And when we see the person that's wronged us or hurt us, here's what we're saying. We look at them and we go, Show me the money. Pay me. You owe me. And so we think that when we see them as we carry around our piggy bank, when we think about them, we may not even see them, but we wake up in the middle of the night and we think about them. Show me the money. Pay me. When we're sitting down with people that aren't even related to the situation, 
And all of a sudden they say something that triggers us or, or we're angry or we're upset or, or something. It has nothing to do with them. It's just the fact that we're carrying Wilbur around. See, some of us are having difficulty in our marriages or in relationships, and it has nothing to do with that person. It has everything to do with what happened to you when you were 15. And you're carrying around a piggy bank. The problem with this piggy bank is piggy bank is an extra weight. I'm, I'm carrying something that I'm not supposed to be carrying, and so it just gets heavy. The problem with a piggy bank is that it goes with me everywhere. I thought I left it at home, but it went to work with me. Went to school with me. Went to the mall with me. It goes with me everywhere. The problem with the piggy bank is it's a pig. And pigs smell. So I walk around with this weight that I carry everywhere that stinks. All because I chose unforgiveness. Paul, Paul says this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And he says, here's how. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He, he says, get rid of bitterness. How many of you know somebody bitter? You don't have to raise your hand, but you know somebody bitter. How, how many of you know someone that has rage? How many of you know someone who's angry? By the way, I know there are medical reasons for, for, uh, for some people for depression. I totally get that, and I believe in doctors. But, but do you also know that uh, sometimes depression is really the result of anger that has been stuffed or turned inward? I, I've been there. I, I, I've wrestled through depression Because I stuffed anger or I turned it towards me. He says anger. Then he says harsh words. Anybody know someone who uses harsh words? As well as all types of evil behavior. He says all of these things are a result of unforgiveness. And it describes a person who's carrying the piggy bank. Harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's not hurting the one you're holding a grudge against. It's hurting you. When we choose to forgive, we're choosing to free ourselves. Here's the last point. So how do we forgive? How do we forgive? I'm just going to give you these four really quickly. Uh, The first one is we have to choose to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. And the Bible tells us we have the opportunity to choose life. And so we make a choice. I'm going to choose to forgive. The second thing is that we count the loss. 
We count the loss. And here's something that we uh, are, are typically prone to forget. When you think about the story of the king here, he knew exactly how much the man owed him. He owes me millions of dollars or, or 10 talents, 10,000 talents. In other words, he knew what he was canceling. He knew the debt he was actually canceling. Sometimes we skip that because we forgive in general. And this guy was specific. So you, so you count the loss. What did they take from me? How did it make me feel? What's the impact on my life? Then, then you cancel the debt. Then you say, you don't owe me anymore. I cancel the debt. I release you to the Lord. I relinquish my right to punish you. I cancel that debt. And then number four, you cover them in prayer. Now, now this is important because just because you decide today to cancel the debt doesn't mean tomorrow you're not going to think about it. You have to refuse to pick this piggy bank back up. But let me tell you what helps you to move forward. It's covering them in prayer. You, you actually begin to pray for the person that hurt you. Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Seriously? Okay, Jesus, I will. I'm praying that his arms fall off and his teeth come out in the morning. Like, I mean, seriously, like, that, that's what you want to do. But can I tell you something? The way you feel when you pray for someone tells you a lot about your heart towards them. And as you begin, by God's grace, to begin to pray for them, you will begin to see that the Lord begins to change your heart. I want to invite the worship team to come up, and I'll tell you a quick story about forgiveness. So I told you I made some awful decisions growing up, but I want to let you know, just in a moment of vulnerability, uh, that started for me because when I was a kid, I was sexually abused by a woman, and that opened the door for horrific immorality in my life, and I began to make some terrible decisions. And I grew up in the Bible Belt, so I knew, hey, you're just supposed to forgive. I'm like, I forgive her. But the impact of that was still very present in my life. And in fact, one day I'm visiting a counselor and I begin to tell her what transpired. And, and I kind of just skipped by. I was like, yeah, this happened to me when I was a kid. And she actually stopped me. She said, whoa, what, what, say that again? And then she asked me this question. She said, Jelani, did you ever grieve over that? And I said, well, no, it happened to me when I was a kid. I just moved on. She said, do you, you understand that grieving is part of the healing process? She said, so I want you to say out loud what you want to say to her. And so I sat there for a moment and all of a sudden, just out of my mouth, I yell, you jacked up my life. And I burst into tears because all of a sudden in that moment, I began to count the loss. I began to recognize the innocence that was taken. I began to recognize the impact of that. And when I acknowledged the loss, I began to experience the healing power of forgiveness. But there was also another person I needed to forgive because, because I made some awful decisions. And so do you know who I was holding hostage? Me. I, I actually needed to forgive me. See, I, I'm, I'm walking around holding myself hostage, in essence, carrying this piggy bank and saying, Jelani, you know who you need to pay? You need to pay you. Show me the money. The, the problem is you can't pay for your own debt. And, and guess what? Why would you pay for a debt Jesus already paid for? 
And so the Lord has to, to speak to my heart and go, Jelani, you realize that by you making the decision not to relinquish your right to punish yourself, you are putting yourself in the place of God and you're not. You need to give me what I paid for. I needed to forgive myself. Listen, some of you today, you came in here and in your heart of hearts, you know, it's screaming, show me the money. There's somebody that owes you. But God in his goodness today wants to bring you freedom and healing. And he wants you to take this piggy bank and lay it at the foot of the cross and simply say, I let it go. I release my right to punish that person. I cancel the debt. I forgive them, Lord. And in you choosing to forgive, you choose your own freedom. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want to ask you, what's God saying to you in this message? What's he speaking to you? There's some of you today that you know you need to forgive someone. Some of you, that person you're thinking about right now. And then there's some of you that you actually need to forgive yourself. And I just want to lead you in a simple prayer of forgiveness. If you'd say, Jelani, that's me. I've got someone I need to forgive or I need to forgive myself. Would you just raise your hand up? Don't be embarrassed. I just want to pray for you. I need to do it. I need to do it. Just keep your hand up and I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus so that I could be forgiven. Right now, I recognize that I've been wronged by, and you fill in the blank. They took this from me, and you fill in the blank. They made me feel like, and you fill in the blank. This is my loss, Jesus. But I choose right now to cancel the debt. Not because they're right, but because you forgave me. I choose now to forgive them. In Jesus' name. Now you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to give one more opportunity to respond. If you're here today and you'd say, Jelani, you're talking about forgiveness, I need to receive the forgiveness of God today. In other words, I, I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. The Bible talks about being born again or being saved. Maybe you made that decision a long time ago, but you're not really walking with the Lord. Maybe this is your first time and you're going, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about. I want to know that kind of forgiveness. The Bible says that God sent Jesus to die for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a a relationship with him and so that we could spend forever with him in eternity. And what we simply need to do today is is just make a decision to receive that forgiveness and to surrender our lives to Christ. And I want to lead you in a prayer. And so if you say, Jelani, that's me today. I want to start fresh, man. I I want a new life. I I want this relationship with Jesus you're talking about. Would you just slip up your hand? You're here today. You want to do that or you need to recommit your life to Christ. I, I want to give my life to Jesus again. Amen. Amen. If you're there in an overflow room and, and that's you, just raise your hand up right where you are. If you're online, just raise your hand up where you are. 
I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Just say, God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have a relationship with him, and so that I could be free. I confess I'm a sinner. I surrender my life to you. Come be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we just put our hands together and thank God for the work he's done today? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 